You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens. Martin, in his in his usual way, he uh, he, he went and found a way to one up you with his uh, scotch tape. You know what's I funny is like, I think I think the average person in my case would say that he didn't one up me, but the average person in the internet would say that he did. <laughs> it's like it's all about context, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. So yeah, I, I'm so I'm in my study, and I was like, oh, I could do this real quick, and uh, took me like two seconds, and literally in a split second, Martin prints this piece of paper off throws it up on his wall and he wins the day. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. I really don't. It, so. it, I think it's because the way he printed it is like in a British accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, the way that you've got your setup, it, it seems like it's made for the live stream because of your head position. It just says issues cast. So it's mm-hmm. like it's designed for the live stream. So, Well, I was going to put this, I was just going to put my name there actually at one point, but I decided that'd be a little bit too, too brazen. So well, I think people recognize you, so you're good. Yeah, well, I, the important thing is that people know whose idea this was. So uh, anyway, today as we... <laughs> However, as we I will can... say, if uh, if your screen goes down, it's going to be a win for paper and books. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you can never beat the books. That's right. Uh, I don't understand. So Tom, actually, I think, you know, technically, uh, probably you're, you have the, the best backdrop because it cannot be, cannot be one-upped. I, I remember during COVID, I read an article about this vanity walls where you can go buy bookshelves, shelves full of books by the foot, just so you can make a backdrop like this so that you look intelligent. And it's 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 still a thing. The company that went in business doing it still does it. They they'll show so you x number of feet of book, you know how many how many shelf mm-hmm. feet of book do you want, and then you put it up on a for a zoom wall they call it, and there you are. Ah, ah, vanity of vanities. That's mm-hmm. what I say to that this morning. Well, today we're going to get into it, but before we do, and while people are still tuning in, um, we want to just take a moment, as we always do with our live podcast, with for a few preliminaries. First of all, I'd like to ask you how your weekend went, maybe some things that uh, the Lord's been doing in your church and ministry or own, your own personal life, if you've got some things from the past few weeks, I guess since our last live episode, um, or if you have some things coming up you want everybody to pray for. Tom, let's start with you. Uh, since our last live episode, what was that? Beginning of September, uh, we've had a good run at church, not a great run. We've had some ups and downs. Uh, attendance is up over this time last year by a few, and I'll take that. Um, offerings are down a little bit, and so I'm praying about that. Uh, but the spirit's been very good. Um, as a shepherd, you're always concerned when certain sheep seem to be, I don't know, distracted. vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, distracted is a word, but I, yeah, I was thinking of vulnerable. So those are those are things that weigh in my mind. But it's been a, it's been a good season at church and a good season at home. And uh, yeah, we're in a good spot this morning. We 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 had good offerings, good missions offering yesterday. Good. Baptized a baptized young man who got saved from our addictions program. And um, so yeah, it's good. Good day yesterday. Well, for for us, Tom, I would say that it's that same kind of thing, right? We're we're we have we're experiencing so much good and so much just normal church right now. Um, and we're praising the Lord for what he's done. We've, we've come through a string of, of special Sundays. And what that means for us is we, this year combined a missions month 
um, with several evangelistic outreaches. I don't know. They go hand in hand. Uh, also, it's just the way the schedule worked out. Um, but uh, three three major things. One, our church committed $100,000 again to Faith Promise Missions. And so very excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. Two, we had a big day on September 10th commemorating the 9-11 uh, uh, event in 2001. And we had a gentleman here who um, shared his testimony of going in and um, working the rescue pile and all that. And we had a really, really good day, exciting day there. Um, and then two, we had our cowboy carnival here about a week ago. And I saw a number of people saved. And uh, anytime we do these evangelistic events, you have to realize they're not just for one reason. I think people think that, you know, our mindset is, well, we're just going to build our church off of big days. I don't yeah. think we've ever built our church off of big days, but we built people and we've invested in people and our church has matured through them because they've served together. That being said, the main goal and mission is seeing people saved. And we did have a just a great number of people saved. Um, and I always get a little concerned or skeptical or maybe over analytical about large numbers of conversions because of the fact that we don't want to um, give anyone any kind of false hope. And so we're careful. But yesterday, a week later, we had testimonies in our church from people who said they personally dealt with a lot of folks who received Christ. And the stories were very, very incredible. Um, and so those were good. Uh, I do want to say this, that I was able to be at the Southwide Independent Baptist Fellowship this past week and met several of our listeners. Um, and cool. one of those is actually watching right now. Peter Chamberlain made a grand entrance into the lobby at Franklin Road Baptist Church, and he um, he podcast spotlit me. Martin, have you experienced this? What do you mean? Uh, he caught me off guard. Oh, just and, said hello and okay, yeah. I got oh it. no, he didn't just say hello. He went, "Is that Stephen Ross? The podcast?" <laughs> I mean, the whole place was like, "What is going on?" And my my dad was standing by. He died laughing. I was like, "Dad, don't encourage this maniac." And uh, so he's he's watching right now. And I just want to congratulate yeah. you. It's kind of hard to embarrass me, and you did a good job, my friend. You you uh, you did. I enjoyed great. meeting him once before, and um, he, he really was an encouragement to me. That the few minutes we had to talk, and uh, really really liked him. Hopefully, we'll get to meet face to face a little bit more in the future. He is going to be in Evansville this week at another church. And his brother is going to be here from Florida recording a CD. So I'm going to have the Chamberlain brothers in town. Cool. I, I don't know if we can handle oh, it. Very cool. Yeah. Martin, how about you? How, how's everything going for you? Be honest. Yeah, we had a good, uh, good, we- good weekend. Um, so things are going pretty well at the church. And it's been a, you know, a time of uh, just consistency, uh, you know, just regular Sundays. And, and those are the Sundays that uh, build, I think, Amen. stability and, and just Amen. kind of health. Uh, we were able to welcome seven people into the, the membership of the church yesterday, which is always exciting. And it's, um, it's, uh, that was good. That was good. It was really good. And, uh, I'm grateful for each one that wants to be more involved and be a part of our church family. And I've been putting a lot of work into our, um, Bible Institute is something we started up and there, there are a lot of great Bible colleges and seminaries in different places, but I think there's kind of a niche that we can help um, in terms of preparing them for ministry. So we're working on, on the students we've got, we've got about 15 or 16 students at the moment in person. And then we've been asked to make stuff available online. So I've been trying to get that figured out and uh, it's, it's exciting to see things coming together, but it is a lot of work. Amen. You guys got any um, big things coming your way on the calendar or life updates, anything like that? No, it's actually the uh, the the calm part of the fall for me is is this Good. stretch right here. I'm 
enjoying my prayer retreat uh, next week, two weeks from now, I think next week, yeah, uh, which is always, but that's a personal thing. Not a 30, 30 seconds. What do you, how does that work for you, Tom? Uh, 30 seconds. Uh, I take a week and I go off in the middle of nowhere and I take my uh, Bible and a couple of books and my phone doesn't work out there. And I don't talk to anybody. And I, I do some extra praying obviously. And I do, I do my sermon planning for the year out there, stuff like that. Um, mm. it, it plows the furrow deeper is what it does. I've done it for about 15 years now, I guess. Just you or does your wife go with you or just me? Praise the Lord, man. You know, that would scare the average pastor. It scares me. Like what's going to oh, go wrong scares, while I'm gone? It, oh no, it scares me because <laughs> I don't think about that aspect of it. We have, we have a strong church here, healthy church. Amen. Not that things haven't gone wrong, but, but no, what scares me is, is I got to go out in the woods for a week alone. And that's when God really deals with you. Oh uh, yeah. You, you, you can't hide when you're out there. You just can't, uh, you can't. And man, wow. It's coming. That's awesome. I, I, I too, am taking a retreat, um, in a week and a half into the mountains yes. and, uh, and I, I wish I could say it were a spiritual journey. Uh, I may be doing a lot of praying. <laughs> I'm going on my first <laughs> DIY elk hunt. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I, again, it sounds so very, so very carnal after Tom's you're explanation. The, you're going with a group or you're going by yourself? You said DIY. Uh, so I, I'm actually going out um, with my brother-in-law, Cheryl's, um, Cheryl's brother, uh, my wife's brother. And um, we know what her brother-in-law is. Well, I don't have, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew it was on my wife's side. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. So we're going to go out there and <laughs> well, make it awkward. Sorry. Just make it awkward. We're sorry, going to go carry out. On, carry on. And we, we have a, a, a contact out there. Some of you may know missionary Andy Lehman or Lawman. I, I don't, I think it's pronounced Lawman. Um, missionary to the Indians there in Colorado. And, um, and he's got a little bit of a better understanding of how all that works out there. And so he's not going to necessarily guide us. Um, he has other obligations, but he's going to kind of direct us a little bit. And um, uh, looking forward to meeting him. I was put in contact with him through uh, another pastor. And so I'm actually going to be at his church on that Sunday. Yes, I will be in church on Sunday during my elk hunt. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, and that, that'll be a lot of fun. So that is coming up and excited about all of that. So uh, feedback and fan mail, we took, we always take about 10 minutes and, and just kind of talk, give people time to tune in. If you're watching this right now on Facebook, if you wouldn't mind sharing this uh, with your page, that'd be helpful. In about 10 minutes, we're going to start on our topic for the day, but we want to take about 10 minutes, maybe a little bit more uh, because of the feedback that we've received and talk a little bit about uh, some of the previous episodes we've uploaded and, um, uh, Tom, that's that's your area. But before you jump into that, I do want to say that we've had um, a new guy jump in with us and help us do some editing for our podcast. And so we'd like to give a shout out to Landon Street, um, who is a young man going into ministry. He's already in ministry, uh, but getting ready to go into the pastorate in his early 20s. And so some of what you guys heard on that episode about pastoring in your 20s actually was uh, inspired by conversations that, that I had with him. Um, and so thank you to, uh, Landon for jumping in and, and joining in, in this, uh, this ministry with us. So Tom, Amen. it's all yours. Okay. So feedback, uh, we try to answer a lot of that individually when it comes to us, whether, you know, as, as an email, a text or something anything of that nature, but if it's something we think that will benefit from a wider conversation, we reserve it for a live. 
So there's three particular things that I wanted to bring up today. The first is uh, directed toward all of us. Um, and I just sort of boiled down the question to they're looking for some more structure about homeschooling. So we did an episode about education. At the end of that episode, we did a little bit about homeschooling. And so they were wanting us to give some more information or perspective or thoughts about structure for homeschooling. So what you think? I think I'm having trouble with my screen, but go ahead. Yeah. So for homeschooling, maybe you should focus on learning how to do screens better. <laughs> You're so true. So right. Paper for the win. Yeah. You got to have right. screens for homeschooling. Um, no, I, I think um, structure for homeschooling, it, it's important that it's that you, you take it very seriously. You know, I mean, I think that's where, it gets a bit of a bad rap um, yes, because you're doing school in your pajamas, you know, you're kind of, yes. there's no set start time, things like that. We, and I'll say this, my wife homeschooled our kids. I didn't personally have a lot of involvement in that. She always did a good job with that. There's a family in our church that does an exceptional job with it. And when they, when they get up in the morning, I mean, it's, they get dressed for the day, they get, they stand up, they do the pledges. It's a very, very well structured thing. So, so I guess the question is, is how to do that? Is that, is that how you understood the question, Todd? Yes. Hmm. I think a big well, part of it is setting goals, is having a goal in mind for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year. Um, initially when I was, uh, it was a Christian school, but we also homeschooled a little bit, uh, but we used ACE and they're very big into setting the goals for the day. Right. And that builds into your goals for that week and so on and so forth. And I, I think that's where a lot of um, a lack of structure, it, it doesn't let you look ahead very much. And I know there's like the, the free schooling and there's other things out there, but I think being able to set goals, realistic goals, have the achievement of accomplishing something, uh, that's all a part of that need and the reward of having a structure in your day. I think both of those are helpful. I would add a couple of things. One is uh, it's helpful to be organized. I realize being organized comes easier to some people than others. But if you're organized, especially in relation to keeping track of what work you've done before, what work you plan to do next, it helps you to stay on a track. Mm -hmm. uh, the other uh, two thoughts I have very briefly are have a curriculum. Uh, doesn't mean you have to use everything from like, say, Bob Jones or something, but have a plan where this is the subject we're going to study this year. And this is the the textbook we're going to use. And don't you can homeschooling gives you freedom of schedule and freedom of curriculum, but you need to not abuse that. So have a curriculum. And the third thought would be have a schedule. Start at the same time every day end roughly at the same time every day. If you're going to do extra activities like go to the library once a week or something of that nature, do it at the same time, same same hour every week. Structure it as much as possible in a scheduled way. And those things will will sort of accumulate their own structure over time as you, as you put those in as bones, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's all, that's all good feedback. And yeah, and I can certainly appreciate the, um, the flexibility of homeschooling. Um, mm -hmm. And even, even to the degree that I know that there's a lot out there right now about the more uh, about, you know, homes, homeschooling your kids allows you to get them out in the world even more in some ways and get them educated mm -hmm. in real life. Mm -hmm. That being said, don't neglect the classroom schedule. Um, and of course, this is the first year we we started a school. We put our children in the school. That being said, fully stand for the right of parents to make their own decision as to how they educate their children, whether they want to put them in the school or homeschool them or whatever. Um, you know, I want to be I want to be very clear on that. That just because we started a school, we don't expect that everybody 
is going to put their child in our school. Um, so those who do choose to homeschool, I think it's just very good to remember that you have an obligation to prepare your children for for life and um, and structure and schedule are things they will have to know. So good feedback. I appreciate the question. I think some of the practicalities around structure as well is um, building, being strategic about it. Now, I mean, flexibility is good. I think you can build flexibility into the structure. And, uh, but I think some of the things that helped me and it, it then goes into business life, work life, family life, beyond right. school um, but start with the hard thing. So I was, you know, encouraged early on to get math out of the way and, and get the difficult subjects accomplished. And then it kind of gets easier through the day. Uh, and that's a part of the structure. I think you can build into it. I think certainly begin the day with devotions, with something spiritual. Um, but then on a practical level, do the hard thing first and then, you know, move through your day. Uh, and with younger ones, part of the structure, I think, can be, and this isn't, you know, don't want to risk getting into a whole episode, but um, especially when kids are young, give them incremental rewards. So it could yeah. be they do one math problem, you give them, I was going to say a Smartie, but that's an English thing, an M&M. Um, Smarties are like M&Ms, but better because they've got English chocolate. We have, we have Smarties um, here, but they're they're not chocolate. So, yeah. No, that's right. You guys, it's kind of like chalk, isn't it? Colored yes. chalk. Um, what is chalk? Sugar. Sorry, go ahead. Chalk. Mm-hmm. Chalk. So not you to interrupt my- you guys, but we're, I, I'm just keeping an eye on feedback here. And Matt and Katie Northcutt, you win the day as far as this comment. My 14-year-old son watching with me for the first time says, they don't look like what I expected from their voices. Even more concerning is the fact that we're, that you are allowing us to influence your 14-year-old son. Uh, and so uh, just... <laughs> I saw that comment. I was like, that's, that's always the way it works. Like, wow, you're shorter in person. Um, and Martin says, do we look better? <laughs> don't ask questions, Martin. You don't want the answer to you only ask questions. You want the answer to. Okay. Moving okay, on. So then moving on. So two other things about uh, feedback um, in the episode on education, I had made some reference to the fact that if you live somewhere where you are not legally allowed to educate your children in the fear of the Lord, either Christian school or homeschool, you should move. And I got a little pushback on that gently. Um, Thank you for the eyebrow there, Brother Russ. Uh, And I expected it, and it's fair. Um, It was gentle because we're scared of you, but go ahead. Yeah, you used to be. You're not anymore. (laughs) Um, So this particular thing came to me, and I've just abbreviated it down to the pertinent question. I sincerely wonder what you would advise in the case of perhaps a young family who believe God has called them to be missionaries in a place such as Germany or other parts of Northern Europe. Um, So I have two answers to that. One is, I believe strongly that what God calls you to endure, carry, he he can give you the grace to carry. Uh, I don't know what it's like to be to be called to Europe or to Germany or someplace like that. I do know what it's like to be called to Chicago and pastor in a very difficult place for my family. And I had people that told me when I moved to Chicago, I was 31 and I had two small children. I had people tell me that I couldn't raise my children for the Lord in the city. And um, that's not true because if God calls you somewhere, he can give you the grace to do whatever mm-hmm. he calls you to do. Mm-hmm. And so you keep that in your mind that that you're not in despair. If God has called you there, he will enable you to do what he wants you to do there, including bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The second answer that I, I gave us to that particular individual, and I'm abbreviating the written answer I gave them, is I believe that the Bible teaches us that our family comes in priority over our over our church or over our pulpit ministry, as those things are. 
And so if if my family requires me to move, I will do that because my family is more important. Mm-hmm. And I then can do my other my, not other ministries. And it doesn't matter. It does. But in my case, pastoring, I can do that somewhere else. We have we have a podcast coming out here in the future to give you a little preview about um, in which we engage in some more discussion about the will of God and finding the will of God. And I don't want to steal the thunder from that podcast. But I, I believe that the will of God is more about what you do than where you do it at. And the will of God is thus I can go somewhere else that's healthier for my family and still do the will of God for my life. And I'm not trying to dodge that question, but those were the two answers I gave. And I'd be curious if either one of you men or even if our listeners had had a different approach or perspective on that, I'd, I'd welcome it. I, I think those are sufficient answers. And, you know, going back to the initial controversy, Martin, yes. um, it was it was a statement that I think you made because you have you have taken a principled stand in that exact arena, uh, and so it, it's not it's not an unreasonable statement. I, I don't think it is. I I don't think that we can suggest that it it has to be this way in every scenario. Um, that being said, you know, prioritizing, for instance, God does call people to a certain place in some instances, such as Germany. Um, I personally know missionaries who have left Germany because of this very issue, by the way. Yeah. And there's there's some national conflict right now, by the way, about a a family that uh, is here because they left Germany right. so they can home school their kids. And the word <laughs> is the Biden administration is trying to, you know, deport them or whatever. And I don't know the the, the details behind that. Um, so it's a real issue. I certainly encourage people to to pray about it because at the end of the day, um, it is these are our opinions. So you, you need yes. You need the heart of God for your family. Amen. Well, I would answer that assuming that a person can't get away. This German family, I've been following their case for a long time. And I think it started even when I was in England. Mm. Um, And there are German parents who get arrested and separated from their kids. Their kids are literally taken away from them. Um, So assuming that they can't get away from their, you know, geographic location, I would say, you know, begin and end the day even more deliberately with some kind of spiritual input uh be very aware of your children's curriculum so at the end of a day or at the weekend you can systematically counter what they Mm -hmm. are learning Uh, and i wouldn't give them kind of a parallel curriculum because then the kids could end up resenting the the double homework they get because you're trying to you know do too much along with what they're getting in the school but systematically try and counter it um, and then focus even more on the the fellowship and the social side they get from other good Christians. And it may be mm-hmm. that there are some who can go into the political arena and try and address it from a uh, a political perspective and, and see about getting wider societal change yeah. made. But uh, not everyone's going to have that ability, but um, that would just be something I would add. That's I, I think that's Martin. That's yeah. I think, I, I think that really rings it's, it's, it's a resounding advice, right? It, it makes a lot of sense. And I, and I would add maybe in conclusion to this particular feedback is that if you feel very strongly about the fact that, you know, my kids are going to go to the public school, whatever, that's fine. Uh, but you better be prepared to armor up every day. And I think, mm-hmm. I think even, even more so than normal, uh, or normal, unfortunately, normal is not very good, right? Uh, a lot of times we just take mm-hmm. for granted that we're good to go and, and we don't, we don't put the effort in, um, that being said, you know, Martin's correct in that you need to prepare your children at morning and at evening, uh, to have, uh, preparation, 
um, to face the day. And, and I think your kids need to be spiritually protected, spiritually mature, and parents need to make sure they understand that their prayer life has got to be really solid and, um, and all of that. So, uh, but we also had a, um, Absolutely. we also had another feedback on the issue of separation. Is that correct, Tom? We did. And this came more from your uh, side of the uh, woods, so to speak, to mangle a phrase. So why don't you introduce it? Yeah, I, and I, I had, frankly, I don't know where we're going to go with it because we haven't talked about it. <laughs> no, we said we're going to talk about it, but we yes. haven't talked about it. Correct. Okay. So I've had people ask me about this. And for the sake of those who are watching, um, because I'm sure we have a diverse group of people watching. I know some of my church members watch and listen, and that's great. Um, the, the question, I got a text message from a, a young man that I know. Um, my grandfather asked me if we would address it. And then someone else, and I don't recall who it was, said, you guys talked about ecclesiastical separation. And then you talked about personal separation. When are you going to address secondary separation? And I said, well, I um, hadn't planned to. And the reason is because <laughs> my grandfather's statement to me, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to throw him under the bus because I, he, was, he made this in the statement to me in the middle of the church lobby. And he grabbed me by the arm and said, hey, I listen to your podcast. You need to talk about this. And so, yes, my grandfather listens to our podcast. Um, he said, that's one of the biggest things ruining our independent Baptist churches today. And I went, okay. I said, I, I'm going to quote you. You know, I don't think he minds that. Um, but basically so secondary separation is the idea that I can't be friends with Tom because Tom's friends with Martin and I don't agree with Martin's position or practice in a certain area. And therefore I'm, I'm going to separate from Martin, right? I mean, I, I can't, I can't be friends with Martin or we can't work together. Uh, you know, the varying degrees that we've discussed in previous podcasts, but now Tom decides that, well, you know, Stephen doesn't feel comfortable around Martin, but um, but I'm going to be friends with Martin and I'm comfortable with my relationship there. And he may do things different than me uh, as a pastor and leader of a, of a church. Um, and so I tell, I tell Tom, hey, unless you separate from Martin, you and I are going to have a problem. And so it's secondary separation because I'm literally separating from Tom, even though I don't have a problem with Tom's personal uh, opinions or position on specific issues. And so I would assume that we would all agree that, you know, those issues would primarily lie within um, secondary and tertiary issues as opposed to core doctrines. But how do you all view that? Because uh, we've all, we've all been, I don't want to use the word victimized, but we've all had to face that maybe. No, that's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to I hate to say it that way because I don't I'm, I don't like to be a victim, um, and I'm not a victim for that matter. Um, so the issue of secondary separation is a um, is one that we've been asked about, and I you know for my part, my dad made a statement years ago. He said uh, all this secondary separation is really hard to keep track of. Yes, and it's where camps and people. Um, you know, you have you have camps of of groups of people within movements, and you know it's Paul and Apollos, right? What do you guys think, Martin? I don't know, Tom. You write the book on it. No, I, I think it <laughs> it's going to be um, it's going to be within the context of what the issue is, what the 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 lines of fellowship that you've drawn. So there may be some organizations I'll partner with to get the gospel into North Korea, let's say. Um, but I'm not going to partner with them on a local level in, in a different way. And so 
and where I'm going with this, the secondary separation thing, there may be a group I'm happy to work with it on a particular level, despite their connections with other people, because there's something that they uniquely can do. Um, and so I, it's just got to be within the context. Mm-hmm. By and large, I don't agree with secondary separation. There, there may be preachers yeah. that Tom has in that maybe I wouldn't, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to fellowship with Tom. Uh, there may be other contexts where I'll draw the line differently, but it's it's one of those areas I don't think you can draw a hard and fast line. So to me, it seems like you can't be very Baptist and practice secondary separation, at least on the petty level. I, I probably offended somebody by putting it that way. I feel like Tom today on the petty level that um, <laughs> that we see it practiced today. You know, I'm literally meaning like there are some people who will get mad at me. And, and hypothetically, if I go to brother so-and-so's conference because they have a problem with brother so-and-so and you're going to go there and you, you, know, you, you and I'm like, hey, man, you know, brother Arby will let who we need to pray for, by the way, there, I guess, November 10th is his surgery. And they're going to take out his vocal cords. So pray for him. Um, but he, he told me one time, he said, Stephen, never let anyone choose your friends. Mm-hmm. And you know where he got that advice, Tom? Brother Hiles, probably. Brother Hiles. Yeah. And he said, and later, Brother Hiles tried to choose his friends for him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, yeah, there's, there's I'm a, not criticizing there's a lot anyone. of water under that bridge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that that was his advice to me. And that was, you know, that was, that was, re- that was very impactful for me. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to let someone choose my friends for me. I'm not going to let them decide who I can be a friend, especially when I read the Bible and, and the Bible says a friend loveth at all times. Um, those mm-hmm. are the kind of things that, you know, I don't think I can buy into secondary separation if that's how you're going to define it by me going to a conference right. you don't agree with or whatever, uh, maybe singing a song that you wouldn't sing in your church. I mean, we're talking about people literally and, and folks again, if you're just if you're a church member of mine or of either of these gentlemen or, or and you're watching going what is that well don't worry about it because okay. we're not we're not going to yes. live that way <laughs> no but no i, I think ministry, jared brought we have out, to yeah brother jared on the the uh sorry <laughs> that the word has gone out of my head oh, uh, on, the, on the live stream on the feed yeah yes um and he said about let every man be persuaded in his own mind and i think that yes. comes down to um, and by and large, secondary separation tends to be a way of, you know, just separating with something over something non-essential that's not, um, right. you know, it's, it's just not necessary. And like I said, there are contexts maybe where you you would think carefully about yes. your associations. But I think usually what secondary separation in our circles is about, it's, it's non-essential things. And, you know, by and large, I wouldn't be in favor of it. Mm-hmm. I think any blanket... Any blanket application of the concept of sec- secondary separation, either I'm going to do it entirely or I'm not going to do it at all. I think either one of those is foolish. Right. I think it has to mm-hmm. be dealt with individually about in the individual matters, but more importantly, individual people in churches, because direction matters. Right. Yes. So I, I agree with that. On, on a personal level, Proverbs teaches a lot about be careful who your friends are mm-hmm. because your friends influence you. So mm-hmm. if you're my mm-hmm. friend and you're being influenced by someone who is a would be, I would consider a very bad influence for me, I have to be conscious of why are you allowing them to influence you? What is your purpose and intent there? How are you handling that? Mm-hmm. So I will look less at who you're friends with than I will what direction you're going. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. direction if, is a good good thing. Yeah. So if you're if if you're doing and direction that, 
direction is like a taboo word apparently so somebody's going to be upset about yeah. it but but yeah, it is and it i don't is care I, I don't care i'm not i'm not afraid of it I, I'm, I'm just not some right. guys are are you can be in the exact same position but because your direction is different one guy i'll i'll spend time with and another guy i won't mm-hmm. one guy i'll spend time with trying to minister to him another guy i'll spend time with and relax around it, it depends upon the situation depends upon the direction that individual is going it depends upon how they're being influenced or exerting influence. So again, I think right. the the error is blanket applications of secondary separation, either yes, we do it completely, or no, we don't do it at all. I think both so, of those are wrong. So Matt and Katie Northcutt, I'm not sure if it's Matt or Katie, so forgive me. For, I'm just going to read your name. They ask, would secondary separation look different on an ecclesiastical level versus a personal level? No. Mm-mm. I don't think no, so. The, the, the principle is still the same. You're not going to apply it blanket wise. You're going to do it based upon what is the direction of that church and or a ministry and what are they doing in their association that I have a problem with? Yeah. What is the particular reason for that association? Right, right, exactly. And, you know, if if you take this to an extreme and and you <laughs> practice it at, you know, like you said, at, by blanket covering everything, I think you I think you just really misuse the, the whole principle of separation and you hurt people and and you isolate and, yourself. Yeah. And you turn you turn against your own. Right. Like we, we shoot our own. And mm-hmm. so, so I, you know, missionaries, okay. Missionaries, let's, let's, how are we going to practice that? Am I going to be upset at a missionary for going and getting support from another solid independent Baptist pastor who believes in all the major doctrines of scripture, salvation, et cetera. He's not, et cetera. He's not uh, out there, you know, he's not a heretic and he's not hanging out with heretics, but, but he's a missionary. I mean, he's got to get support to go to the field. There is no way that I'm going to hold that individual to a to a level uh, where he can only go to churches that I I like and agree with, and they're my flavor, uh, or we're not going to support you. I I just we just don't practice that. That's that's it's unmanageable. It's unsustainable, and it's so subjective. I just don't know how how it's even mm-hmm. possible to live that way. You know. At the same there time, is something. Re- let me Sorry, just say ahead, this out very quickly. At the same time, I respect like your grandfather's concern mm-hmm. that not practicing it produces something bad down the road. No, that's he, you. You missed it. Oh, his his concern was that it was overly used. Yes, I see. Okay, yeah, because we've you know on the national level, not here locally, whatever. We've had people that have basically separated from us because of our association with someone else. They recorded a CD with us. They yes, recorded an album. Right. And that's, yeah. it's like, Hey man, you know, and it's funny because those people that usually will write us off are the ones that stopped recording with us anyway. And it's like, well, okay. Oh, you know, we're, we're not, we're not beholding to any one church. Exactly. As a matter of fact, that's why our ministry is based out of a local church. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> Well, there's one thing before we um, we kind of move on from this. You know, definitions are important. And one of yes. our listeners, uh, I wanted to pick up on something he said. You use the word petty. And I think instead of petty, we should use frivolous because Brother Scott Petty, I think he, he gets, you know, <laughs> feels like he's being picked on. I was like, okay, so, I'll, receive uh, that. Scott, I'll receive that rebuke. <laughs> <laughs> so, so instead of petty things, just frivolous things, you know, we, you know, we... We're all for, right. we're all for petty. Yes. Yes. Amen. All right. Well, let's move on from that. Uh, you know, again, um, for what it's worth, that, that was the feedback. Right. And so, um, I love my dad's statement on it that, uh, um, 
you know, it's really hard to keep track of it. And therefore we shouldn't be controlled. We shouldn't be controlled by the opinions of other men. All right. So moving into our topic of the day, we felt like this was our opportunity to talk a little bit about the subject of Israel, what's going on there. Martin did an exceptional amount of research and, um, uh, work um, that uh, that helps us, I think, today in this discussion. Um, Tom, you have made a lot of notes, and uh, I'm looking at all of them now for the first time. So let's jump in today. What's going on in Israel is terrible. Uh, the attacks against Israel are, are just brutal, especially with social media. We're watching videos that are being posted by both sides of the atrocities that are being committed. Um, and it's sad. I mean, it's, it's sad. So I, I want to start today and without... Um, looking uh, at the notes because I can't get my iPad to do the notes and this cool little screen that I set up behind me. Um, Do you all think that this sets up in any way for biblical prophecy being fulfilled? I think you have to be really careful with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I agree with that. I get a little frustrated with that instant reaction. Oh, we're seeing the Bible fulfilled and, 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 you know, the, the rapture could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. We believe in a doctrine of an imminent rapture, which means the rapture could happen at any moment. We don't need something to happen in Israel in order mm-hmm. to make the rapture happen. And because something is happening in Israel doesn't mean the rapture is more prone to happen. Right. Correct. Having yes, said that, yeah, Israel, I'd... Israel is front and center of a lot of Bible prophecy. And so I can understand oh, that, yeah. that dynamic, but. So the, the way that I, I believe the way that I believe about this issue, um, and, and probably probably this is a little bit more mainstream than what either of you would like to hear, so I, I'll accept that, but is that, there? first of all, I told our church recently, I preached a whole sermon on the rapture of the second coming, and I said there are no signs to the rapture, which mm-hmm. means that we're not, you know, we're not setting dates, we're not, we're not like, oh, it's coming this year, next year, whatever. We believe it's imminent, we believe it could happen at any time, uh, but we also believe that a lot of things happen leading up to the end times. Um, the second coming. And one of those things is the return of the people of Israel uh, from all corners of the world, really back to their homeland. And it, it, I just find it interesting that you see these videos now of Israelis from all over the world on planes flying home to engage in the fight. Um, mm-hmm. At the conf- conference last week, um, one of the ministries there is ministry in, in Washington, D.C., and they said that what they're hearing from the lawmakers there uh, and legislators is that uh, Netanyahu is telling them that the borders of our land will look very different. The middle, the whole Middle East, we're not going to stop until it looks very different than it does now. And so those are those to me are very interesting. While I don't believe in science, the rapture, I do believe that there are things that are moving incrementally and even gradually toward what we see uh, in the scripture prophecy, both in the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation. So that's that's kind of where I get excited about it. I don't get, you know, I'm definitely not a Jack Van Empey. Uh, but, but I look at it and I go, wow, you know, this, this should, none of this really surprises the believer if they've studied their Bible. And so that's kind of where I, where I land in all that. Yeah. I I think, again, it's important. We're not date setting. We're not of that ilk that say, okay, well, you know, I think it's one thing to say, okay, this could be pieces of a puzzle coming together, but it could also be that everything's going to fall apart. And, you know, there's no, there's no timeline that we would set. Um, I think what it does show is it's interesting how quickly things can change and what we expect from a, you know, a sense of prophecy, it can very quickly move in, in any direction. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, 
you know, I'd, I would say before we kind of get too much into it that, you know, the loss of life, whether it's an innocent Palestinian or an innocent Israeli, you know, the kids and babies and everything, it's tragic on both sides because there oh, are attacks made on, um, you know, Christians who are supporting Israel um, Yeah, that, you know, they'll say, well, you don't care about Palestinians. Well, if it's an innocent life, it's an innocent life. And we, we mourn that. But from a prophetical sense, um, you know, the, if the doctrine of imminency is to mean anything, then regardless of whether things look likely or not, the rapture could happen at any time. That's right. That's right. And Martin, in your research, and I'm not just trying to default to what what you've done because you've done it more thoroughly than others of us, uh, namely me. Um, you know, you even did a little bit of educating on you know who is actually Israel and and who are those people. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, again, there's um, the first thing to point out is that they that the people in the land of Israel today are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Yes. Uh, you know, there, there's always been conspiracy theories out there, but again, I think one of the ideas that's going to turn the world against ethnic Israel, the literal descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, is the idea, well, they're not really Israel. Mm. And I won't go into the different ideas now. It's something the Muslims have always said, that it's not the descendants <laughs> of Jacob that other people have promised. It's the descendants of Ishmael. Mm. Um or Isaac yeah, that, and Ishmael. Um, that, that always that part always kind of just grates me a little bit because in the Old Testament it says it's an everlasting covenant. Yes, yeah, and, and you know we'll we'll say more about that later. But it's but they would say that the line is traced not through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but Abraham, Ishmael. Hmm. Um, and then I had a professing Christian this weekend who was trying to convince me that the people in the land of Israel today are not the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but it's Abraham, Isaac, Esau. Um, and then the, the leap they make from there is then to say the people that the promises were made to no longer exist. And so the promises are nullified right. because they're not Israelis. They're essentially Edomites. Um, and that's just not true. Factually, genetically, linguistically, archaeologically, mm -hmm. biblically, you know, the people in Israel today, it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Um, and that's without question. Something else we then move into then is, you know, is Israel the church? Um, and, you know, no, we would say definitely not. Um, so why does that, why does that matter? Because I think that needs just explained for just a few seconds. Why does it matter that we say Israel and the church are two different things? Well, that's where you get into people who believe that Israel has been replaced by the church. You know, most of us would use the terminology replacement theology. Uh, people who believe that don't like that term. They prefer, I think, supersessionism or something. And that's the idea, supersessionism. It's, you know, there's a chair and somebody else is sat in their seat. Um, and I think it's meant to be a, a softer sounding um, way of defining it. But it's the idea that the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have been transferred to the church, as in the body of people that have been called out and are of every tribe nation. Uh, and so again, I think the problem you get there is it's an everlasting covenant, you know, and for God to have made an everlasting covenant with Abraham and the same terminology goes down to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, you know, the Davidic covenant um, to change that later on after those men have died is just not just. And it's uh i think we've got a long list of ways that the church is distinct from israel and, and maybe tom you want to 
speak to that? Well, there are. Uh, Dwight Pentecost gives a good summation of that in his book, Things to Come. And I have a list of 14 or 15 reasons why the church is not Israel. But instead of getting into those reasons necessarily, let me just reiterate or emphasize if you don't understand this, it's critical because the whole idea that the church replaces Israel means the promises God gave the Jews in the Old Testament that we believe he still has yet to fulfill, which is the reason we believe in a, a millennium and and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, that those are will be fulfilled in the church instead. We reject that. We, we believe that God has made promises to Israel. They have yet to be fulfilled, and that drives our eschatology. It drives our sense of God must protect Israel. God must preserve Israel because they have to be around for God to fulfill his promises too. And so it's a key distinction to make in understanding. It's driven by essentially a literal hermeneutic that says we're going to interpret these Old Testament prophecies literally. And when you fail to to apply a literal hermeneutic in prophecy, you end up way off course, just like you do when you spiritualize any other aspect of hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I think the road to replace in Israel with the church wasn't a theological one when I've read about it and it's something I'm, I'm still digging into and I've still got a lot of questions about, but it's not that they looked at the Bible and they began to reinterpret things, but back in the second and third centuries, particularly is when it picked up and gained ground, but they looked at circumstances around them. They saw Israel destroyed in 70 AD and that was a big right. catalyst towards them saying, well, God must favor the Gentiles over the Jews. Um but it was a lot more circumstantial than it was theological. And then having looked at the situation around them, they tried to make the Bible fit. Their shift in in theology was driven by what they saw rather than by what they studied in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And that's always a dangerous position to be in. So yeah. we believe, and, and, and this, this is a classic, this is a classic belief. This is not new. We haven't invented this. Right. That, that the church that God is working with the church in our dispensation, but when he's done working with the church, he will rapture the church out and he'll return to working with Israel. And so because mm-hmm. of that, Israel must be around and must be preserved in order for God to work with Israel again. Tom, can you you speak a little bit to, to the idea of the Israelis, the Jewish people's return to the land? And, you know, you've kind of said before, you don't believe that the 1948 reestablishment was the fulfillment of that. Do you think that happens more incrementally or do you think that's yet to happen? H- how do you view that? Um, this is one of the areas where I think I get frustrated, as I mentioned earlier, with with some very good people. They they view the 1948 return to Israel as being indicative of Bible prophecy, and it is not necessarily because the people of Israel have returned to the land and been removed from the land. They returned to the land and been removed from the land on several occasions in their history, and it could very well be that there is an enormous Arab war. This own event spins up into a wider regional conflict. Israel is demolished. The Jews run for their life back into hiding all over the world. That doesn't mean that God's promises are not fulfilled because the the, the point of God's promises being fulfilled is he has to preserve the Jews ethnically and nationally, but mm-hmm. he can bring them back nationally at any point. So even if they're scattered from off the land again, they still can be returned. And I would argue that the return really of a nationally ethnic Israel of a national Israel has to happen in order for the Antichrist to make a treaty with them, right, for the tribulation period. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you can see why people will say, okay, so we can do this now. Right. But again, if if they're scattered, they can still come back again. And ultimately, the return of Israel to the land is what happens in Matthew 24 mm-hmm. uh, at the second coming when, when Christ sends his angels to gather the Jews, his elect, out of 
everywhere they've run to in the world when they when they run for their lives during the tribulation period, he brings them back and they accept him as their Messiah. That's mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. the return of Israel to the land. Yeah, and and so speaking to what I was saying earlier, that you know we see what's happening right now, and and it, it excites us, right? Because we we know that it has to happen, we or that it will happen based on prophecy. But I'll say this: that if if the borders of Israel expanded, and then in fifty years um, they were completely, you know, reversed and everything, I, I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. I wouldn't yes. go, oh, the Bible's not true because of what you said mm-hmm. that that God's prophecies about Israel are ultimate. They are, they are going to be fulfilled at a certain point, whether or not God is giving us a a glimpse into that right now is where some people differ, I guess. And I don't have a problem getting excited about it, but I agree uh, to the, to the T right. Very specifically with everything that you've, everything I've heard people say, and Martin, maybe you can speak to this, but I've heard people say, well, the fact that Israel returned to the land in 1948 means the people that were alive then that Jesus will come back in their lifetime conflating oh, no. entirely different scriptural passages. And you just can't do that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not fair to God. It's not fair to, to what God's trying to accomplish or to people. Uh, and that's where you try and force circumstances into your theology. Mm-hmm. And and that, that's where you very much begin to go. Well, not where you begin to go wrong, but it's where you do go wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a whole long list of why the church and Israel are distinct and whether, you know, that Israel has always been a, a physical people, you know, you know, national ethnic sense. The church is made up of every tribe and tongue, and um, and like you said, Dwight D. Pentecost, he, he has a long list. And I think I put up on my website an article why Israel is is distinct from the church, and uh, it's it's, a, it's an important thing to see. But as far as you know, the, the return to the land, I think it's interesting. I think it's incredible. I think it was only about ten or fifteen years ago that, for the first time in two thousand years, there were more Jewish people in Israel than scattered around the world but i think the the true return that's prophesied is is something fulfilled um and whether you tie it into the the evangelism of the 144,000 or whatever else you know gets into the realms of speculation but certainly zechariah 12 13 14 you know people go back to the land and israel are there and i think that's the ultimate fulfillment of it do you tie it to the 144,000 martin no, I think it's curious. I think, you know, if you've all of a sudden got a hundred and forty-four thousand um Jewish evangelists going around the world, I think that's gonna speak to the Jewish people who may still be dispersed. But that's mm-hmm. you know, hands up, that's fully speculation. So I I think it's a curiosity, but I'm not saying that's, you know, certainly what it is. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tom? And I've got I've covered in the article as well. Um Galatians talks about um the Israel of God in Galatians uh, and is trying to say that there's a spiritual Israel and a physical Israel. And, you know, it's, it's, it's conflating things. Um, and you know, the Israel of God, it's not saying that the church is one and the same, those two things are very distinct. And I, I think it's, it's a hermeneutic that leads to that result. Um, and you just let, let those two things remain distinct. Well, further down that road of conflating Israel with the church is anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a rejection of the Jews. God's already yes. rejected them. They're the Christ killers. I mean, however far you want to go down that road. But there, I know independent Baptists who are anti-Semitic on the basis of this, and they're just flat out wrong. So, so speak to that because here, this is a. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about this part because some people would say that that if I support Israel, I support everything they do. 
well, I don't support no. everything anybody does, including myself, but we believe in the Abrahamic covenant. And we believe the, that it, it is an everlasting covenant. Therefore, we believe in the support of Israel, but that doesn't mean that, that we think that they're sinless, perfect, uh, that we support anything that they might, that, that, an, that a Jewish person might do, that, that Israel as a whole might do. Israel as a whole does not believe that Jesus is, is the Messiah. No, they're living in rejection to him. Yeah, that's right. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so, historical precedent for okay. Israel being out of the land, out from under God's blessing. And yet, you know, that's the whole book of Esther. Um, mm -hmm. They're in exile because of their sin. And yet, miraculously, they're delivered. You know, mm -hmm. we, we discussed Habakkuk and or Habakkuk, Habakkuk, one or the other. Um, <laughs> and and he kind of he has this conversation and he says, Lord, your people are sinning, judge them. And God says, I'm going to judge them by, you know, by the Babylonians and mm -hmm. and then Habakkuk kind of draws back at that. But ultimately, um, you know, God uses his means, but even then, though, you know, Babylonians were judged for it. You know, they they were allowed to be a tool of persecution of Israel, but they weren't held faultless for it. I think and so I think even today you can say, well, I don't agree with everything Israel does. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge they're not in that covenant position with God that they once were and one day will be again. Um, yes. But I do, I do support them. I think there's a biblical tension between, between understanding that God, that Israel is living in rejection to Christ and so is under condemnation and judgment. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they are being providentially preserved because God has promised them some things they have not yep. yet received. Mm -hmm. And it, the the church is God's chosen people in this dispensation, but there's another sense, a real biblical sense, in which the Jews are still God's chosen people, mm -hmm. regardless of how they're living at the moment. They're still God's chosen people, and I must understand that as one of God's chosen people in the church, which means I will pray for them, I will view them, I will love them. The 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 Abrahamic covenant, the blessings mm -hmm. to those that bless them, and the curses to those that curse them. That's still fa a factual thing. Oh yeah. I still want the blessing of God on my nation, on my people for supporting that people. Um, and that's perhaps a whole nother discussion, but okay. So they're under both the judgment and the protection of God at the same time, but understanding that they ultimately will again be God's chosen people drives my support of them and not my condemnation of them and not my, they're not written off. They're, 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 they're still very much in God's plan. And I want to be in on what yeah. God's doing. I want to support what God's doing. Um, and I, I see a lot of apathy. You know, those who believe that the church has replaced Israel, that Israel has no right to the land that they currently inhabit. Um, I've seen people say, no, I don't want to see them hurt. But ultimately, it's it's like, you know, any other country in the world, they've got no particular rights to the land. And so they may not be against Israel, but they're apathetic. And I think that's a... N not a good place to be. We should know um, what God loves, and God loves Israel. Right. So let me ask yeah. you, what's, what's your perspective on Zechariah 12, where it says, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Is that, I is that prophetic? That, yes, it, it gets yeah. fulfilled at the end of the tribulation period. There's there two earthly purposes mm -hmm. for the tribulation. One is for God to pour his wrath out upon rebellious man, but the other is to prepare Israel to receive him when he comes the second time. Mm. So when he came the first time, he came into his own and his own received him not. When he comes the mm -hmm. second time, they'll receive him because 
They will have just bet on the Antichrist through put all their chips on the on the table on him. He turned out to be the horrendous opposite of what they wanted. He then persecuted them worse than Hitler did during the Holocaust. And when Jesus comes back the second time, their heart will be turned toward him, as Jeremiah expresses in that new covenant passage, as Paul reiterates in Hebrews chapter number eight, um, that they, they will accept him and they will love him when he comes the second time. That's what Zechariah is talking about in that passage. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is, is, is Ezekiel 37, is that prophetic as well? Of future events, or has that already been fulfilled? The dry bones, and it, does that have to do with what you what you just spoke of, or would you say that that's already been? I think to say that it's already been fulfilled is problematic again because uh-huh. the Jews could be driven off of the land and be brought back. Right. Um, I don't think you can say that's been fulfilled completely until mm-hmm. until the millennium. Yeah, I that's you can know for sure. That that's it, where it, I would land on that. Thus saith, I think there's a thus saith the Lord God to be uh, real quick. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. That's the, that's the part that makes me feel like that's yet to come. Well, it's, I think you can maybe see stages of it there, the way that the bones gathers together, then the sinews and everything. But again, ultimately it's prophecy and um, to, you know, say that it's now, or, and, you know, even to say too definitively that it could be a stage, you know, thing that happens in stages is you can end up in problems. I think it is, again, it's interesting. I think it's possible that what we're seeing now are the pieces of the puzzle coming together, but there's no guarantees. So, um, it's It's, it's got to be prophecy until we see it absolutely unrevo- un, unrevocably. Irrevocably. 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 <laughs> It's Absolutely. fascinating. It's amazing it's, the guy who's English has a hard time with it, but go yes, ahead. with with English, it's it's fascinating from a societal, from a historical standpoint, to see a, an ethnicity that used to be a nation driven away from their land two millennia ago, restored mm-hmm. to the land as a national entity. I don't know of another example of that in the entirety of human history. No, and so mm-hmm. you look at that, and however you want to slice that up. I don't believe in extra biblical revelation, but I do believe God is at work. And so I look at that and I say, how can I deny that God is at work? Obviously, he's preserving these people, protecting these people. And however that shakes out, ultimately, the fact is that God is still at work with the Jewish people. I don't know how you can deny that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so getting to the current events and how we view them, you know, there, there needs to be an understanding, too, I think, of of our our responsibility currently as the church. So not as Israel, but but as the church. I think, number one, we've already established that it, it is incumbent upon Christians and believers um, to to support Israel uh, and to support the covenant, right? And to 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 um, bless them and, and all that the Bible teaches us to do. Um, what's going on in the Middle East right now? Okay, you've got Hamas, you've got Hezbollah. Now they're involved. You've got Iran, you've got Lebanon and Jordan, you've got all these surrounding areas. Um, so there, there's, there are several responsibilities that we have one. I think we should seek out the truth of what is actually taking place. And, and, and so Hamas and all of these terrorist attacks, you know, I would say, fortunately, not, not fortunately in that I'm glad they happened, but I'm saying for our sake, now that they have happened, we do have quite the evidence that they were brutal, uh, terroristic attacks against civilians, wicked, horrible, terrible things that took place. Um, at the same time, I'm reminded of my friend who died in the Middle East a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, who gave his life to give the gospel 
to Muslim people. And so mm-hmm. while, while I am, for instance, I told our church, I said, it's not wrong to pray for the defeat of Israel's enemies. You know, the, the imprecatory Psalms, I think, are a good example of that. Break the arm of the enemy. And I want, I want them to be defeated. I want Israel to remain victorious, even in the current conflict. I also want to see Muslim people saved and come to mm-hmm. Christ. And I don't want to see Christianity become one-sided where we divert our mission away from the Great Commission. And so that that was something I just felt like we needed to we needed to insert into this conversation, and that is that you know as a people we ought to be sending more to the Middle East, and and it's going to take people with courage and boldness and uh, strategy and and care and compassion in order to do that. So for what that's worth, well said. Yeah, yeah. I think theologically you can say this is what I believe. Prophetically, this is where I stand. Yes. Um, politically, there's a lot going on, and, and we may get into that more. But none of that is questioning our responsibility to send missionaries around the world, regardless of of uh, the politics or the culture or whatever else it may be. And there are a great many missionaries. I know missionaries mm-hmm. in England who disagree with everything about the oh, i say everything but uh you know the the culture and the politics and different things yes we mustn't exaggerate we must always speak very specifically no sarcasm allowed go ahead <laughs> uh, I, I don't do sarcasm um you know i know missionaries in russia uh, and they by no means have any sympathies with soviet or communist politics but they're there to give the gospel to the russian people mm-hmm. so none of this is none of that's in question my heart hurts for the for the Muslim people. They are living in the judgment of God. They have violated so much of the word of God that God has removed the word of God from them. That there's mm-hmm. a famine in them of hearing the word of God. I think Amos speaks to that. Mm-hmm. And that of course is not ethnic, it's not isolated just to Muslim people. But you look at their societies and their cultures and their countries around the world of these of these ninety percent, ninety five, ninety nine percent Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. And they are just brutal places. They are absent grace. They are absent truth. They're absent mercy. They're absent love. And I hurt for those people. I mm-hmm. just do. Yeah. The, the yeah. average person on the street is, um, you know, of, of you know Palestine or wherever you look at it, uh, you know, they, they may have voted into power, a terrible government, but a, a lot of what they've been told is a lie. Um, yes. You know, they're working off of false information. They, you know, so there's all that. Um, but again, the average person on the streets in Palestine has been taken advantage of, and they are just pawns in the hands of of their leaders. Mm-hmm. The One of the former leaders of Hamas has been routinely, you know, quoted recently saying that Israel believes in life, we believe in death. And they make no, um, yeah. they, they don't try to get away from the fact that, they believe that when their people die, they die as martyrs. So that's why they'll launch attacks from a hospital. You know, they, mm-hmm. they'll put the very military headquarters in a hospital basement. Yeah. Um, and how do you how do you respond to that? Do you just keep getting attacked, uh, or, or do you say, "Well, that's where you've put your your military personnel, and either we let our people die, or you use your people as human shields, and you're to answer for it." Um, yeah. You know, well, they, it's like the the statement that's going around, right? If Hamas laid down their weapons right now, there would be peace. If Israel laid down their weapons right now, they'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is it, it is it, something. In in and this is, it, you guys uh, up for a discussion on just war theory or? Sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it I should have researched in. it, but yes. 
Yeah, yeah I, I haven't researched it yet. Either. It's not an even thing. It's not like, okay, well, you know, both of them have their place because Hamas is not conducting itself mm-hmm. according to the according to acceptors standards of moral behavior in war. And mm-hmm. not only did they start it, yeah. but they started it brutally murdering innocent people by the hundreds. Right. And they're hiding themselves amongst their civilian population, as Martin referenced. And so it's not that, okay, well, Israel gets to turn now and then everybody needs to shut up. It, it's not a, it's not that there there's even problems on both sides. It's not just politically speaking and militarily speaking. And, and that's how I kind of reconcile, um, you know, the American war for independence, you know, 1770, whatever it was, um, you know, that, th- that battle against my, my home nation, that fight, it fell under the criteria of a just war theory. Um, they tried every means possible to avert it. They had a government in place that was respected. They had an outcome that was, you know, involved peace with the enemy. Uh, you know, none of those things apply with Hamas. You know, their their outcome, you know, if you hear the Palestinian protesters around the world at the moment chanting from from the from the river to the sea. You know, that means everything between the river and the sea is to be Muslim without exception. That chant means the genocide of Israel. Yes. Um, and so that, you know, just war theory, it is a, I think is a biblically founded thing, biblically based thing. Right. Um, and that's, and, and that's where I, we see it boils. If, if people are listening, they, they've never heard of the just war theory. That's fine. Basically, we're, we're not commanded to be pacifists. We're not Quakers. Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Israel certainly has the right to defend itself. Um, it's funny because, you know, does Israel have a right to the land? Well, does Palestine have a right to the land? Um, those those are the kind of things that I don't think we intend to really dive into in a conversation that's as brief as the one we're having. That being said, yeah. well, um, go ahead, Martin. Sorry. I mean, to that, I would say just, you know, until the Lord returns, I think it is yeah. fair to say, OK, let's find a way politically to try and get a you know a, a place where both people can coexist however one side doesn't want the other side to coexist um mm-hmm. pretty much every peace plan from 1967 onwards or even 1948 onwards 1927 if you want to go back to the Balkhor declaration but has been rejected by the muslim arab people it's israel so, offering um it's israel offering something to those arab nations and those arab yes. nations saying that's not acceptable because you're still here yeah. Right. And and every time they've given land, I mean, you know, most of the land that Israel were attacked from this past weekend, they gave up in recent decades. And so they they give up land and then that land is used as a launch pad for violence. Mm-hmm. Um so and in an imperfect world trying to say okay, well the land I think is Israel's, but until Christ returns and and does what he's going to do, yeah, let's try and get some kind of shared peace plan but one side just doesn't want it yeah yeah it's it's interesting the bible says that the jewish people are contrary to all men and that plays itself out on so many levels all the time you can see just like you can see god's hand in preserving the jews for the past two millennia you can see the devil you know how the devil's the puppet master of the world oh yeah you can see it in how he orchestrates so much hatred toward that ethnicity i know that to me is one Mm. of the evidences of the truth of the bible Right. It, you see that that this it's not logical. It's not reasonable for all these ethnicities around the world to hate the Jews and to hate the Jews in every culture and every time, every place. 
uh, it, it it violates their own principles. It violates logic. Mm-hmm. It violates so many things, but they do it because they're dancing to the tune the devil's playing. Mm-hmm. That's why it's mm-hmm. a it's a spiritual thing. What you see in the physical realm in the, in the world today is evidence of spiritual conflict. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, true. There's a devilishness to the violence that is put across. I mean, um, uh, Emery Alexander asked about. The charges of apartheid and crime, war crimes against the Palestinians, and you know what? I will not say that every Israeli soldier or every Israeli military offensive has been without, you know, has, has been perfect, uh, and that there right. aren't you know bad eggs, bad apples within any military. But I would say, right. in 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 broadly speaking, you know, Israel sends out pamphlets to warn people mm-hmm. we're going to bomb Hamas in your apartment building leave Hamas says ignore that and stay well not um, only that it seems to be no evidence apartheid. seems to be evidence of the fact that that um there are more than just Israeli and American hostages in Gaza mm-hmm. people of Gaza in many yeah. cases are hostages because if they try to leave yeah so. and uh, Hamas um you know they they target women and children and babies mm-hmm. that that is their a deliberate target when yeah. Israel does that, by and large, they they show remorse. They they avoid it at all costs. I think they even developed a weapon called the Delilah bomb, uh, and it could like circle a target, so at any time they could recall it and and stop it from causing damage. Yeah. Um, so have you seen the iron, of course they have the Iron Dome, but have you seen the new tool that they have where they can literally laser beam bombs out of the skies? I just read about that this morning. I mean, yeah. IDF put it out. Uh, you know, some people may say it's propaganda. I don't know, but. Oh my goodness. I mean, how frustrating must it be to be an enemy of Israel? It's like, oh man, apparently like the bombs to, uh, or the uh, rockets that they use to shoot down enemy rockets from the Iron Dome are like 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a piece. It costs like $2 per laser beam or something like that to shoot these Mm. things out of the sky. It's really, it's really phenomenal to see God's hand at work in Israel today, in spite of their denial of his son, Jesus. And, um, yeah, it's 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 a very interesting topic, but by, by no means, and and I, we we're gonna have to wrap this up, but by no means is this an exhaustive uh, discussion. Amen. It is a conversation that's lasted about forty minutes. That's all. Uh, we could not answer every feedback. I know that there's some people in our feed right now who differ with us on eschatology and uh, on the position that we've taken on Israel. We just haven't had time to get all to all of that today, um, and so please understand that that we're not ignoring you, um, and and then at the same time. You know, there are there are going to be more things to come with Israel in the coming days. And we don't plan on making this a constant uh, topic that we revisit. And so um, we're not the experts and we're not claiming to be. We appreciate the feedback. Do you guys want to add anything before we uh, I would just add, I, I will try to go through the through the news, news Facebook feed and answer questions or comments at some point later today. I'll, I'll try to go through it and look at everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and if I would, I don't generally um, promote my website, my blog, because I don't Please do. fill it out very, uh, very um, routinely. But I've been trying to put a lot of resources up there to answer the questions about apartheid, war crimes, you know, everything we've talked about today briefly. Um, and my website is just martinwickens.com. And, uh, you know, the That's last tough. number of articles there have been to do with all of this theologically politically you know a number of different perspectives and so uh hopefully that'll be a help 
absolutely. So thanks to everyone who tuned in. And we've had, a, a as always, a, an enjoyable time together. Appreciate the three, the two of you guys and uh, the three of us being able to get together and, and have this conversation. And so we're going to leave the live stream right now. And we appreciate all of our listeners. This podcast uh, episode, the audio from this will be uploaded tomorrow morning to the Issues podcast. And so thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.